Lauren kept being like, every time someone puts me on the spot in a panel and asks me a question, I, I literally forget everything. And I was uh-huh. like, oh, same. Yeah. And that was, that's definitely my problem as well. You're like, oh, we're recording now. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> cool. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, did we, this past weekend was Onyx PathCon. Yeah. Yeah. We were on a StoryPath Q&A panel together. Yep. We sure were. That was fun. We had a whole 30 viewers. We did. Uh, given that it was at 11.15 or 11.30 yeah. on a Saturday for a less than popular game line, that's a pretty decent turnout. Less than popular. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, the tra- the story path game lines are not as popular as Exalted in the World of Darkness. I know. I know. I, like, I'm not dragging it. I love Trinity Continuum. I wish it was more popular. Same. Yeah, I wish more people did it, but, like... 30 people showing up to the the StoryPath Q&A panel, no less. Like, not even the, like, new announcements panel. That was just a... That was just some designers answering questions. So it was just... That's just the nerd crowd that wants to ask us weird shit. Like, that... <laughs> yeah, I missed the What's Up with Onyx Path panel, which I feel bad about, but... I missed it, too. I, I, I had a guest this weekend, so I didn't... I only uh, recorded my... Uh... Your panels, you didn't... Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't watch. I've been, like... I tried to watch some panels, and I got distracted easily distracted mm-hmm. it's hard to sit and watch panels all all weekend yeah my guest and my partners have apparently put the panel on twitch on the big tv downstairs which is very sweet oh they all they all watched me which i thought was cute they watched every single panel it was very cute oh yeah so like yeah the essence panel held steady at around 60 viewers that's pretty good uh, that is pretty good I, I I don't know what the general viewership was like, but um, 60-ish people seemed to be the average for the two Exalted panels I was on. Okay. Uh, and so 30, 30 for StoryPath and for the StoryPath Q&A, I think, is very respectable. That's a, that's a good number. Yep. Yeah, it's a good number. Uh, and I was pleased to see that of the 60 people who came or the 30 people who came to the StoryPath Q&A, they were not just my friends. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Some folks I recognized from around the internet. It's nice to see some people. Yeah. Um, see some folks who show up in the chat who I've only ever interacted with, like, on Twitter. Yep. yep. Yeah. Or that have only been around, like, oh, I see you in the Discord. Yep. It was, uh, it was fun to talk a little bit about 3rd Edition, and then talk about Story Path Q&A, and then answer some questions from the audience, a bunch of good, interesting design questions from them, and then revealing a bunch of stuff from Pillars of Creation. Which, like, you could have been on that panel, too. Not that you would have volunteered. <laughs> <laughs> they did ask me to be on that panel. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And you were like, no. I was like, ah, Too early, fuck that. Yeah, a little. <laughs> <laughs> Not two days in a row, thanks. I need some sleep. Yeah, I I did one panel every day. It's polite of you. It was polite of me. I didn't, I, they wanted me to do more than one. And I just was like, No. <laughs> Welcome to Bonus Experience. How do I open my own show? (laughs) 
I, you know, I don't. You'd think after doing this bi-weekly for five years, I would have my own intro memorized. You would think. and You yet, would think. And yet, Ray and I fuck it up all the time. Uh, it's a show yeah, by um, queer women yeah. or okay. people, not women. And uh, you talk about systems uh-huh. stuff. Yeah, that's the gist. And people could die bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> that is the that's the high level Until summary. Yeah, that's basically podcast. the whole thing. We we break the system shit down to the finer details of running and writing games, and we speak with authority about. Yeah. It. We also swear, and that's what you can die mad about. Oh well, yeah, yeah, it's very dying important. Mad in dying there. mad part. We even have a sticker on our Discord that says "Die mad about it." Fancy font. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, so Ray is dealing with a lot of shit right now. A lot of shit right oh, now. Oh, yeah. It's bad. So Dee's back in here as, uh, my co-host. Hello. Hello. So in the absence of Ray being here, Dee is here. We're gonna, we're gonna deep dive again, I guess. I did not Deep dive? I We didn't deep really dive. plan this at all. No. This is really kind of an emergency recording, which our fans adore, so... <laughs> I'm so glad you adore our nonsense. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to make a joke about deep dive. Be like, dive, 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 dive. Like we're in a sub- submarine. Yep. We're submarine now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> we're, we're also both at the uh, kind of at the end of our ropes. It's been a long weekend. We did a con like we just talked about. I did I did three panels and had yeah. a guest. I'm running on fumes trying to do this. Yeah. D- apologies from my end. I don't have an excuse. <laughs> I'm just bad. <laughs> you're not bad. I, I'm not good at this in you're particular. Fine. That's why I keep... You're, yes, you're terrible at it. That's why I keep coming back to you as a backup host. <laughs> You've tricked me. Yeah, see, that's uh, just because you're desperate. <laughs> Desperation will lead you to I, were, I could pick a worse choice if I were desperate. I could make much worse That's choices. That's true. Please. Please. Oh, man. Don't make me, don't make <laughs> me think about who would be a worse choice. Uh, I, now I want you to. <laughs> All right. So I polled a bunch of my freelance friends for what topic other professionals would really be interested in hearing you and I talk about. Uh, and they said a lot of things that we have already talked about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's <laughs> true. Uh, but they also said they were really interested in hearing you and I talk about how to streamline systems. And I think I'll also throw in, because I've only ever done this like once. Uh, <laughs> it was a big project, but I've still only done it like once. And so I think I'll fr- we'll, we'll sprinkle in on top, like, not just streamlining systems, but maybe also like homebrewing and making changes to systems that make them simpler. How's that sound? Because one leads to the other, really. Yeah, that sounds like a... Sounds like a great topic, yeah. Okay, cool. So we didn't outline this at all, or think about it ahead of no. time, or make <laughs> a plan. I'm looking at nothing. We didn't do fuck all. So where where do you think is a good place to begin talking about this? Normally in a BXP episode, we define what the fuck we're talking about. So yeah, yeah let's talk about what we mean that. when we say streamlining a system. Sure. So as you streamline a system, you you cut out the parts of it, or you condense parts together that after play, usually after play, play testing, or after a long time with the system, you know, right. I, I could go in and streamline first edition Exalted, or go in and streamline 
a bunch of people have done this. Uh, OSR folks have gone and streamlined like advanced Dungeons and Dragons. It doesn't have to be with the intent of making a new edition, but with the idea that you're going to take a system, you're going to keep the bones of it the same, but you're going to take out the parts of it that either make it clunky mm -hmm. or the goal is to you know make it less clunky, make it more accessible, take mm -hmm. out subsystems that aren't vital to the system, and really make sure that you've just got yourself down to the bare bones of the game yeah, system. I would I would agree with that. Sometimes it's not always to make things more beginner friendly, but I feel like that happens incidentally. Yes. At least if we're, we're going to talk about Essence a whole bunch of, in this, because of course we are. Yes. But that was that was designed specifically for beginner friendliness in mind. I, like, I'm not sure if something like Shadowrun Anarchy was. Yeah, and I, I don't know that I would call Fate Accelerated specifically designed for beginners either. It's just an easier stripped down version. I think, you know, Fate's already a game that's, I think, a little bit easy for people who are just beginning mm -hmm. to learn Fate. It's not a hard mm -hmm. system to learn. And so I don't think you would need a design goal of, well, this is going to be easier for beginners because our game's already pretty easy. So we're just going to make it even yeah. easier. I think Fate Accelerated is such an interesting example because, like you said, Fate itself is not hard. Nah. Um, though, though Fate is not easy either. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's It's definitely a more complicated system than say, Powered by the Apocalypse. Is it, though? I guess it is. Do we want to argue about uh. this? <laughs> we'll take, we'll take a, let's take a detour into talking about system complexity for a second, since we don't have an outline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, like, I've been sitting on this spicy take, and I've been meaning to drop it on the Discord, but my spicy take is that a Sleepaway is a crunchy game, and someone's gonna poop their pants to hear that. I haven't <gasps> read Sleepaway, oh, so I can't... really good. I can't, I can't poop my pants about it because I haven't read it. So I'm just going to sit here with clean pants. Okay, yeah, your pants will be safe. Sleepaway is just basically all mechanics, but all of it is storytelling mechanics. Sure. And so, like, the whole game is rules, uh, and people will be very mad at me for saying that, I think. The whole game is rules, and they're really good. Yeah, I mean, it's okay for, you know, narrative permissions, narrative rules, those are all still rules. Yeah. Just because... It's not a die roll. Doesn't mean it's not a, not a rule. rule. Yep. But anyway, so I don't I, like fate. I would argue has as many widgets like and subsystems as PBTA. They are just presented in a more traditional way. That's fair. And you know, I think that there's a little bit for playing. I think you know, roll two d six, add a number, decide whether or not you succeeded or not pick off a list of move actions that you can do mm -hmm. uh, feels just dumb easy. But from the standpoint of somebody who's running a Powered by the Apocalypse game, I actually mm -hmm. think it's more complicated to run one than it is to run Fate. I have never run Fate, but I think you're right. <laughs> well, I feel like for Fate, running and playing is very similar. The mm -hmm. only thing you're doing as a game master for Fate that you're not doing as a player, is you're offering bennies for fate points. You know, you're offering bad shit to happen for a fate point, or you're offering an opportunity for a fate point, compels, things like that. Right. And you can 
do that at the table as a player as well. Like you can try to compel your buddies. Yeah. Uh, aspects and stuff like that and get fate points or give them fate points for doing that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a, it's a tool that everybody's accessing to, but it's really the GM's job to, to do that the most. And that's it. That's the biggest difference between playing fate and running fate. Mm-hmm. But for PBTA, whenever you're running PBTA, you've got to always kind of be thinking of what happens when there's a fail. Yeah. Or like, what is the most, not just what happens when there's a fail, but what is the most interesting way yeah. to succeed, but not quite. Right, right. Because yeah. failure is supposed to be some, something that drives the story forward. Right. And you're always trying to drive the story forward. There's a lot of cognitive load on the person running the game to drive the story forward, even when it's this is what somebody's trying to do. How do I think of how they did that without actually letting them do that Mm -hmm. and still make the story move forward? And sometimes it's easy, depending on, you know, the the game itself. Some Mm -hmm. games lend themselves to easier end results. Yeah. And some people are better at coming up with, well, what is what happens whenever you fail spectacularly? I think Blades of the Dark has that on lock. <laughs> yeah, it does have the, the positioning system in Blades really helps with that a lot, I think. It does. It does yeah. a lot. When you're when you're running PBTA two, there's also choosing what kind of move to make as the GM. Like how punishing yes. is your response, right? Yes. Uh, and also, um, at least in Apocalypse World, uh, fronts. Oh, You've yeah. Got, you, have, you have all your fronts to manage. The fronts are like a phenomenal mechanic. They're really, really good for like organizing the world. Right. Just to tangent one more time, I also feel like not enough games give concrete direction to playing the world, which is part of being the GM. Oh, yeah. Yeah, unless you're really running a character-driven game, which is usually just what I do. <laughs> yeah but like even if you're running a character driven game like like using the front things that give them moves for when certain things happen or like responses to certain actions or anything like that it's and what they do in the background while the players are not doing things or while the players are doing things everything keeps moving and so fronts are really good for all of that you can even just do that for individuals if you're running a super character driven game yeah but that's a lot to keep track of it is a lot to keep track of, and you know you gotta gotta keep track of it. So, so yeah, maybe uh, powered by the apocalypse style games are a little harder to run, but easy to play. Where a fate style game would be like, I mean, it's easy to begin with, right? But like, mm-hmm. is it easier than powered by the apocalypse to play? I don't know. Is it easier than powered by the apocalypse to run? I'd venture to say yes, having run both. Okay. I will I will defer to your expertise. I think you're right. Less off the cuff improvisation in fate games cuz that's in fate you're not making any more improvisational choices than you were running like Exalted. No. Because all all GMing involves making some degree of improvisational choice, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> As I I thoroughly love to tell people when they're like, "How did you plan all this?" My answer is that I don't. I yeah. <laughs> planning for game sessions that's that's for nerds (laughs) so we got off on this topic talking about streamlining things because we 
we're calling Fate Accelerated mostly just like a cut down version of Fate because Fate maybe doesn't really need streamlining and i think when a lot of people think about like streamlining a system they're thinking about a maximalist crunchy traditional game like exalted mm. like sure. shadow mm. like shadow run like pathfinder yeah. um yep yep name another one dungeons and dragons dungeons and dragons right of course <laughs> you know i was trying to avoid i was trying to avoid the obvious answer but <laughs> look i sorry i was just thinking like fourth edition D did in did essentials, essentials yeah where they streamlined their own system halfway through yeah and, and it, it was good and bad <laughs> there was yeah and the the essential the fourth edition essentials were also um intended to be an on-ramp for new people yeah um, yep. and it, i can attest from first-hand experience that that was in fact successful yes uh, i had a, a friend who certainly could not keep track of a full fourth edition character but really loved his little stance fighter right right yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so like i guess we should maybe talk about the what sort of goals are you looking at when you're streamlining a system and like what sort of things would you like what sort of things would you want to cut down when you're looking at these systems like would you would you streamline pbta yeah i mean i think you could streamline pbta and i think people have tried and they just end up with different games yeah fair enough i feel like it is a more streamlined game than other game systems which is why a lot of people talk about it a lot mm -hmm. i think the thing to do to streamline in my opinion personal opinion here don't take me this is not gospel okay is to identify pain points with the system where do people stumble where do they have the issues when people are playing the game what are their barriers to making characters what are their barriers to playing the game running the game what stops a person from fully enjoying this game the best way possible yeah. And that's hard to identify sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, uh, especially if a game is brand new yeah. or if you're <laughs> making a brand new system, mm -hmm. right? You just be like, well, I'm going to take all the good stuff from all the other systems I've ever played and smash together and I'm going to make this new system. But you may do it in a way that creates pain points and mm -hmm. you don't realize it. Mm -hmm. Not until it's been played for five years and everybody's like, God. <laughs> God, this one subsystem just, once we get to it, it just takes me right out of it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and sometimes sometimes those subsystems aren't bad. They're just mm -hmm. over-designed or incongruous with the rest of it. Right, right. Like, yeah. I would, you know, it's blasphemy to say bad things about something like Blades in the Dark, but I would say that Blades in the Dark has some pain points in it. That, oh, I would agree. You know, that, agree. you know, the creator, designer, clearly wasn't like, <laughs> twirling a mustache, being like, let's make this so fucking difficult. Nobody can engage with it. Like, of course not. Like, that was never, that's never anybody's plan. But here we get, you know, I think the, the damage system Mm -hmm. In Blades of the Dark is just too punishing. Yeah, uh, I think I would agree. You have already heard my feelings about stress. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I like stress as a mechanic in Blades of the Dark, but I also understand your points on it. <laughs> my big thing is that, my, like, my for anybody who hasn't heard it, I'm going to recap sort of my two big problems with stress, and one of them is that it's not enough of a risk reward system. Right. It's very easy to play it safe, which is not the point. In fact, I made it through a whole game, never once risking a trauma. Like, right. just because I understood how math works. And like, I get that you're kind of not supposed to do that, but I really want 
a, a system to trick me into gambling. Does that make right. sense? Yeah. Like, yep. like, it doesn't matter if I understand the math. You want to present me with such an incentive that I want to make the risk, right? Yep. The system should trick me a little into wanting to engage with it. The reward is worth it enough to you. Yeah, right. And the rewards that were there were not strong enough to risk. I'd have to end playing this character I really like. Right. Or have them be permanently damaged in a way that maybe I'm not going to be into. Right. And I, this is not me saying I'm not into that the drama of characters being damaged or not coming out the other side, the, the hole or whatever. Like that's good, gripping, gut wrenching drama, right? But like yeah. I want to that I want that to be a change that I choose, right? And I want that to be a change that I'm excited about, right? Like if I'm going to slip into corruption, I want to be excited about it. Right. I right. wanna. I wanna cheer for my character becoming worse. I just. I can make her worse. I wanna be excited about it. Right. And so I don't think there was enough incentive offered to risk the end result. Because getting trauma is just bad, and then too many of them just removes your character. And I want to keep. I'm usually very attached to my characters. I'm not interested in losing them. I want to see them through to the end of the game. Right. That's just not a thing I'm into. And then that is a taste thing, and I understand that. The other thing is that because it's a resource that fuels a bunch of other things, having to spend it to help other people disincentivizes helping other people. And that is bad in a heist game and a criminal yeah. gang game. Yeah. Like, I feel like that is directly at odds with that. Like, even a hive of scum and villainy, there's honor among thieves, right? You work with your crew. They're your buddies. It's all about teamwork. And so right. kind of punishing that, I think, is bad. And so those are my two big problems with it. Otherwise, it's fine. Right. <laughs> I think my bigger problem with Blades of the Dark comes from running it, mm -hmm. which is that there's some push and pull between what the players want to do and what the GM is doing. And there's a lot of cognitive load on the players to set up their next score right? Mm -hmm. It's it's all on the players to decide what are we doing next. And clearly there's input from the GM, but without a strong lead and without a strong hand, it can become very confusing very quickly or very like, I don't know what we do. What, what, what are, what are our options? Right. Oh, we're gonna, you know, somebody wants us to go steal something for them. Mm -hmm. Okay. We could do that. But then after that, and we've turned that in, if we don't have another job ready, mm -hmm. what do the players decide to do? And sometimes it, they just sit around going, I'm stumped. I don't know what to do. Yeah. I could do anything in the world, and that's too many options. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's legit. I have no arguments there. Can we think of a, a subsystem or something from another game that's not Blades that's honestly a fine mechanic but is but sticks out like a sore thumb in the context of the rest of the game and i'm going to try to think of one that isn't an exalted example but is almost certainly going to be an exalted example <laughs> so i'm gonna get a little blasphemous here get, get, you know what i called sleepaway crunchy earlier and that was the that was the foot we started off on so get blasphemous this will be our our controversial opinions episode so the mechanic for feeding in Vampire the Masquerade. Okay. Which vampire are we talking about? The Masquerade? Any of them. Any of them? Okay. Any of them. I know how V5 handles feeding or mm -hmm. hunger. Like there's this hunger dice and then the more you roll, the more hunger you get and then you've got to go feed. Right. But the concept of feeding, mm -hmm. even though should 
be a major part of being a vampire in a vampire game literally goes from I'm doing all of these action things that are very personal to my character and I'm doing all this personal drama stuff. And then I'm just going to like feed over right. there really yeah. quickly. Uh-huh. <laughs> Get that done. Get it out of the way. Yeah. Make a roll for it or something. Mm-hmm. And then come back. Right. And it's just like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> I just need to just just little sippies restock on yeah. my blood supply. Right. And so it's either that mm-hmm. or it's, you know, this long drawn out hunting scene that everybody else has to sit around for while you're, you know, digesting a human. <laughs> <laughs> and that might be a little too horrific. And I don't know, like, just the concept of feeding in vampire games. It's so clunky. And yeah. in my opinion, that sticks out as like a weirdness every single time it shows up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to like, that feels to me a little bit like resting in D&D. Oh, yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna not make, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to make an exalted example. Uh, <laughs> so like, and I'm going to talk about fourth edition, but, but, but fifth edition also included the short rest, which is from yep. Corey, which is a, a good bit of design tech, right? Like, sure. But but it's treated sort of with the same care as, like, feeding in Vampire, right? Like, we all know the, the, the Vampire thing is, like, you're supposed to be engaging with the horror of I have to drink another human's blood, blah. But we all know that the, the fun of being vampires is being sexy Draculas. And that part right. is, like, eh, whatever. Like, I get that that's supposed to be the horror part, but nobody cares. Uh, <laughs> like... Uh, except in like a, a an erotic or homoerotic way, <laughs> and then and then like you know that then the people are kind of into the that that scene right, but but you don't want to have a sexy vampire feeding scene every game. No, no, uh, and so it's what it really is is in in Vampire the Masquerade is a way to get your power back, right? Like you just right. you gotta yep. have your gotta have your blood points, gotta have my blood points. Yep, and so that syncs up with the idea of resting, right? And dick-ass GMs will also make feeding a problem, right? Right. And dick-ass GMs will also make resting a problem. And both of these are supposed to be mechanics for you to get your powers back and sort of create the sense of being a vampire or being an adventurer who is in a dungeon or out in the wilderness, right? You're, right. You're pushing yourself, as a, as a D&D adventurer, you know, you're pushing yourself, you're fighting these monsters, you're trying to recover treasure, you're, you know, exploring and all that stuff, and you have to take time to rest so you can keep fighting, <laughs> That's supposed to be part of the theme. But what it is, is a forcible timer on how often you can do things. Yep. And I feel like both of them hit the same thing where it's like, no, you need to have time to refresh. But what it becomes is a thing that we ignore so that we can continue to engage with the part of the game that's interesting. Right. So if you were to streamline Vampire, would you remove rules for feeding? Entirely. What would you replace them with? I don't know. (laughs) I will say that I think that V5 has done a good job of streamlining feeding into this hunger dice Mm -hmm. that feels a little less clunky to me than, say, the previous editions did. Mm -hmm. Here's my thought, and I'm not a vampire expert at all. Sure. I think you could probably make feeding sort of like a recovery scene from Essence. Yeah. Or from Mm -hmm. Lady Blackbird. Where it's just a montage and you just refresh yourself, right? Like, right. And and you can just make it a thing that you can cut away to if you want to. The recovery scenes, in essence, and the, which are from Lady Blackbird, are always optional, but they get your stuff back, right? And you don't 
in Lady Blackbird you do, but that's because Lady Blackbird is almost an entirely narrative game. I wouldn't streamline Lady Blackbird. It's already very streamlined. <laughs> just mm-hmm. just, just right. stay on topic. But like, you don't ever have to participate in those things if you don't want to. So if you gloss over them or just are like, yeah, I go off and I seduce a hot babe and then I drink her blood, that counts, right? And so you're not right. you're not ignoring a system if the system itself is just montage it, right? Right. That seems like maybe the best choice to me off the top of my head. Yeah, and, and yes, that, that would be where I would put it in like a, a, a short description. Yes, you do the thing because you described it. Now we're done. Right. And, you know, there's definitely opportunity for feeding in particular to go wrong. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's something that players could engage with if they want to. Mm-hmm. And they could say, like, you could have the, the streamlined mechanic be like, you know, where do you find your blood? You know, who do you feed on? And what is the result of that? And then people have to answer, like, who do I feed on? I, I find some hot chick in a bar and I feed on her in the in the bathroom mm-hmm. and like does is the outcome good or bad be like uh you know it could be every single time i feel like oh the outcome's fine i don't feel like dealing with consequences mm-hmm. but it could be that you know like up oh, somebody busted in on us and i had to deal with them and like you just do you did deal with them but but now but maybe there's a story hook for the the story guide or don't oh, know storyteller <laughs> gotten lost in the stories hmm. story uh, asterisk story uh yeah so the storyteller to to say oh well maybe the person you took care of you know you didn't you didn't kill them mm-hmm. right because that would have that has some other consequences so you you beat them up or you knocked them out or whatever and now they're they're looking for you they they're looking for the the person who was munching on a woman in the bar they don't know what you are, but they think you're dangerous, right? right? And so now here's a story hook that I've provided to my storyteller because I wanted to, and I wanted to engage in that. And I think that would be a really nice, and I'm, you know, I'm talking about Vampire World of Darkness, thinking about all the additions before V5, because I don't actually, I haven't played V5, so I don't want to say that, like, I know exactly how it handles those scenes anymore because I, I don't, I know yeah, I, in general how it happens. So, you know, if there's somebody out there who's going to be like, but D that's exactly how V5 handles it. Then like, great. Perfect. Perfect. Great. Fantastic. Then we're happy. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I also don't know very much about V5 at all. Yeah. I have a credit in a V5 book, but I don't know very much about V5 at all. Yeah. I, I would venture to say that's not how V5 handles it. Knowing who worked on it. Yeah, I think it's a good bit more visceral and uh, upsetting than that. Yeah. Which is kind of the point. Yeah. I'm not going to argue that, but I think we I think we came across a pretty good example. Uh, and similarly, I would recommend that resting in D&D works similarly to recovery scenes in the same way, where like, and leaning even more into the idea of the recovery scene from Essence, which specifically says, like, you you take some downtime, you describe your characters kicking back and relaxing. You have to do something that's not related to your current venture. So you could you could talk about like your dwarven fighter who makes, you know, monster stew for everyone. Yeah. And then everyone enjoys a hearty meal around the fire and tells dirty jokes and drinks all night, right? And that's your that's right. your rest scene. And then maybe everybody role plays a little bit and you get the really delightful part of like 
yeah, everyone was in character and we were making jokes and it was really fun and it was sort of a very immersive scene. Not a single person touched a die, right? Yes. The thing that people like to brag about all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can create that situation as part of a subsystem, because like a recovery scene is a mechanic and a subsystem, yeah. even even if there's no dice rolling involved, that's still a thing. Then you have very successfully had people engage with part of your game. Yep. As opposed to ignoring the rules of the game so that they can get to the stuff that is more fun. Yeah. Bonus experience. And our mid-episode break are brought to you by the Misdirected Mark Network. Ray is not here to go bing, so I'm going to have to do it myself. Don't forget that we have a Patreon. You can become a BXP patron. We hang out in our Discord. There's a private room where patrons get to just chat with us directly. The Discord, just to be clear, is public. Anyone can join it. Anyone can come hang out. There's just a special space for patrons that where you get our attention specifically. We also have a bunch of special roles if you back us at different rates. We try to do exclusive hangouts, though we've both been really, really busy since both of us got a new job that we work at together. And that's kept us pretty well busy. But sometimes I play video games and stream. Sometimes Ray plays video games and stream. Sometimes we do stuff with the community. I once organized a whole Malifaux tournament with everybody. It was really fun. So occasionally the community does stuff together, and that's a great time. And if you're with us, you can join. And you can support us for as little as a dollar a month. If you give us 20 bucks, we will make you a terrible certificate that certifies you as a Margaret. All you got to do is give us 20 bucks for one month, and the worst graphic design you've ever seen can be yours. And if you would rather support BXP but don't like Patreon for a variety of understandable and legitimate reasons, you can subscribe on Ko-fi instead, uh, ko-fi.com slash bonus EXP, which will net you all of the same rewards. Or you can go buy our stuff. We have a whole merch page on our website. Uh, go to bxpcast.com slash bxpswag and check out our merch page. And don't forget that you can also buy things from Nerdy Kepi because they have sponsored us. It is Pride Month. Get yourself some queer swag. Nerdy Kepi has so much cool stuff. If it's a piece of clothing for a part of your body, you can think of they have it. And they have it in a variety of pride flags. Pick your favorite gender, sexuality, expression, whatever. Get yourself a shirt. Uh, and don't forget to use code BXPCAST to check out for 10% off, which never expires. So if you're like, man, those cool... I got myself a pair of bisexual house slippers. <laughs> they were kind of expensive and I want another pair. You can come back and use the same code later and get yourself a second pair. Uh, or uh, a really gay button down. Both of which I own. And always remember that saying nice things is free. You can leave us a good review on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever, and help us get more listeners. Lastly, if you like bonus experience, you will also like Bone, Stone, and Obsidian. Jesse and Robert take monthly deep dives into the Dark Sun setting and discuss it across all editions of D&D. Maybe we should talk about... We, we did how, talk... How? how yeah, let's talk about how. <laughs> we, we talk about what and why. Let's talk about how. Oh, man. Talking about how... So I, again, I, I go back to identifying pain points mm -hmm. and that's really the, the only way how to do it is to know what is a pain point. And, and it doesn't have to be, this doesn't work. It doesn't have to be, this doesn't, you know, function properly or this causes people headaches or, you know, that, that mechanic, that subsystem gave my girlfriend a migraine. Uh, <laughs> It could be. I just, I, I can't imagine what subsystem that is, but that's, 
It's my example. Um, uh, I was stole the entirety of the Witcher RPG. Oh, which no. I got specifically for Julia, who is my girlfriend. And that's why she has migraines. That's oh, not no. why she has migraines, but <laughs> oh, no. uh, but uh, she definitely read it and was like, "Oh, <laughs> oh, this sucks." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't know it was from 1998, but published in what 2017." Yeah, it. There's so many good elements to it as mm-hmm. well. Like I read through it and I went, "Oh, this is a really clunky game." I'm sad. <laughs> it could be like, man, let's talk about streamlining The Witcher. Yeah, but I, I mean, don't, I don't, I don't know it well enough to actually answer that question. Other than that, I, I opened don't. it up and I read it and I flipped through it while Julia flipped through it and I just sort of watched her like get progressively sadder. Oh yeah. <laughs> well. I I only read it the one time, and I read it in depth because I was going to run a game of it, but then I realized character creation was, like, both fun and not fun. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I thought of was, like, how do I fix character creation so that this isn't, like, unfun for my players? Do you remember any of your ideas? Well, I was going to flatten the point-by system Mm -hmm. because it uses a point-by system that punishes you for not going deep early. Mm Mm-hmm. Where, like, the XP later scales. Oh, it's... God, man, White Wolf Games got this wrong so often, and you should know better. (laughs) Yeah. By, like, what, 2017, you should know better. Yeah. Yeah, like, old... Like, that's... That is a problem that Exalted has all the way up to Essence. Like... Yes, it is. It's it's a problem everywhere. Stop doing that. Stop making things cheaper at character creation than in the long term. Either make yeah. the costs exactly the same or do like a flat rate character creation and then flat rate XP. Right. But it's <sighs> flat rate. Flat rate is just so good. And it's so easy to just say like, okay, well, what, how, you know, what's the total you'd have to spend to get from one to five? Right. Divide that by five. And that's how much everything costs each individually. Right. And not have that be graded like oh well one is two and two is four and three is eight like stop it right Just stop it stop <laughs> stop right now stop. so I, I definitely would flatten that out and that's pretty easy to flatten mm-hmm. the life path system is heckin' cool yeah. otherwise yeah. oh yeah you 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 go through and you make all these like life choices about your character from like birth to now mm-hmm. and every time you make a choice you add like a point somewhere or you add an ability mm-hmm. and that's like a fun way to make a character yeah that is that is it's, it's a super fun way to make a character it was just the like the the math behind some of it was like you know i'm like reading 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 and then oh ow why <laughs> like this was so good and then uh so yeah, not to not to shit on the Witcher. No, I mean like I, <laughs> our our Talisorian are very very lovely people. Yes, and the game is playable. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's just I would streamline the shit out of it if I <laughs> if I had it to do. Yeah, because I feel like it does have some pain points, and some of it I think is not their fault. Some of it I think is cleaving to a video game standard yeah that's fair that's very fair i got that vibe when i flipped through it yeah 
Let me see. Through the Breach. That's a game I can talk about that. Oh uh, yeah. That could use some streamlining. Holy shit! And it's a game I really like. Just to be abundantly clear. Yeah, just because we're talking about streamlining a game doesn't mean we don't like these games. In fact, I would want to streamline a game because I like it. Mm-hmm. So don't don't nobody out there be like Dan. Dan Monica were just shitting on all these games. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Through the Breach. Yeah, Through the Breach. <laughs> through the Breach is a game with 60 skills. 60? 60. That's like, that's like 50 too many. <laughs> it, it is. It is 50 too many. And it's 50 too many in a way that drives me up a wall because in the war game, characters have six stats? Eight stats. Six or eight stats. And in third edition Malifaux, uh, it's even less. But in second edition, there was casting, shooting, melee. And then defense, willpower, charge, walk, size, right? So sure. you have. I was like, why didn't you just have player characters put points into casting, shooting, melee, defense, willpower, walk, charge? Right. Why didn't and, you just have the same stats as you did for the yeah the miniatures game? Exactly. No, we have a melee category which has five subskills underneath it. So if you want to be good at flexible weapons, you are not also good at heavy weapons. Oh my goodness. Which I suppose is air quotes realistic, but we're talking about a weird west steampunk dread punk game where people are literally magic and there are like hot demon people and there's a breach to another reality and magic rocks come out of the ground that give people magic powers. So like, did it need to be realistic? No. <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> like, this is a game where Dang. one of my favorite characters is an undead lesbian who controls time. Come on. Come on. <laughs> like, there's no, there's no real lesbian who could control time. If I, maybe there, you know, maybe there is, and we are all at the whims of the lesbian who controls time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's just the idea of yeah, that. Yeah, you just died. Also, got derailed by that idea as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like, there was there's no need to be hyper realistic, and like, it's also a game where it wants you to like investigate a mystery and like talk to people. So I sure. see. So like, all right, notice that probably should be on your skill list. Persuade, sure. yeah. intimidate, because it's definitely a game where like might makes right. So an sure. intimidate sure. skill makes sense. And maybe some movement skills, because moving around on the board is important to the war game. Uh, right. So like an athletic skill for how good you are at climbing up shit, right? Or not falling down. But like, I, I see a, a, a valid reason for like a climb shit, run, climb shit, stay balanced, type skill right right? Right. especially since you're you're talking about a game where some where terrain can matter so if you're like doing a tense scene where everyone is fighting on this rickety bridge over a gorge right like you want to have like a skill to make sure that people don't make an athletics check to not fall on your ass right right and so i definitely could see spaces where the the skill list could have been fleshed out in certain places beyond just the stats in the war game but we got 60 fucking skills which include academic skills like mathematics is one of them what why why do we care about math in a game about being magic cowboys <laughs> we shouldn't yeah we shouldn't okay fair uh politicking is also an important part of like the lore right like there's a bunch sure. of factions they fight with each other the, the guild is a bureaucracy and a world-spanning evil organization right like you can work for them so okay maybe there's a the bureaucracy or politicking skill that would make sense 
but we're still only at what, like 12, even adding these other things on top of the skills from the game. And it, in, in the, the BXP episode about skill lists, I talk about how your skill list should tell me what your world is about and what your game is about. And streamlining that is one of the first things I would do if I was handed the ability to make a streamline through the breach. Right. Uh, and one of the other things is that um, the character creation, I thought of this because you were talking about the life path, through the breach character creation is awesome. It's super fun. But one of its big problems, because it does, you do like a tarot reading oh, for cool. your character, which is really cool. Yeah. And it all, but it does randomize everything about your character, which some people like and some people don't, flavor to taste. And for each tarot card you flip, it creates a random array for your stats. Oh, and some cool. of them are bad. Oh. There are some results that are just worse than others. And that's not good. Don't do no, that. No, don't do that. Uh, so a couple of the times that I've house ruled that, I've just been like, so we're going to do the tarot reading because you have to, you get um, what are called fate lines, which are a bunch of random ominous phrases. And you, you have to have your fate lines because you basically level up by resolving your fate, whether you... Sure interpret it and going along with it or whether you interpret it as a resistance right like and they're all good and creepy and you get this like real ominous prediction about what will happen to you and you have these five lines that you have to fulfill and then you can basically retire your character when you hit the last one because there's no okay. more, there's nowhere else to grow from there sure you can still gain xp and like get stuff but like you fulfilled your fate there's nothing further to do and, and i will say from firsthand experience it takes quite a lot to fulfill all your fate lines so you have a you have a lot of campaign ahead of you this is not something you rush into but it's phrases like when you hear the silver bell ringing from across the land <laughs> you will look death in the face and you will know real terror <laughs> shit like that very uh, nice and ominous yeah uh and so like you might be in an adventure where you're running from zombies and you hear like ominous church bells ringing in the background and you choose not to go towards that sound and you run away from it and then you consider that the resolution of your silver bell line, which I just sure. realized is a... <laughs> I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. It jangles. It jangles. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, so uh, one of the things I have done was keep the tarot reading where you just give someone their spooky lines, but just pick an array for your stats because okay, there's no, like, I don't see any point in having one character who got the good result and one character who got the bad result. This is also why I don't like rolling for stats. Right. Unless, like, I can understand a rolling for stats or a flipping for stats or a randomized stats where the stats are not that important. Right. If, if like failure isn't really that important again that i don't know why we're playing a game with randomization but i can see it there if it's if it's not that big a deal or if the difference between them isn't that huge right like if a zero or a one isn't that much big of a difference then i guess it's fine but most of the time it just feels bad man i don't like it right <laughs> and there are lots of other systems in through the breach that i could talk about streamlining but i would really want my books in front of me and they're not here right now so i'm just going to talk yeah. about those two for the moment <laughs> yeah so, again, how do we do that? That was what we were supposed to be talking yeah, about. Yeah, it was what we were supposed to, but we did kind of demonstrate it in that, like, you talked about 
examples for how to streamline the character creation in sure. Witcher. And I talked about examples for the same with Through the Breach, like cutting the skill list down to a bunch of things. Uh, and you could still house rule in the restricted, the, the shorter skill list. You just would have to make off the cuff choices for which of your new skills can be used in from published right. material if it calls for something else. Right. Right. And I think bringing it back to how to streamline, mm -hmm. it's really, like I said before, about cutting out the the stuff that makes it, you know, subsystems that make it harder. Or like you said, like a skill system is not a subsystem. Right. right. Like it's taking not. a skill system from 60 skills down to, say, 10 really good skills or, mm -hmm. you know, maybe 15 really good skills is a bit of a chore, but it's worth doing because of the streamlining that you would get out of it, where you combine a bunch of skills into one or you remove all the sub skills from skills and see, you know, essentially condense them all down into one thing. You get down to, you know, your ideal number of skills where it's less clunky. And by clunky, I mean, I don't have to remember and think about 60 different skills. Right. And there's a lot of cognitive load right there. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if they're all on your character sheet or not. Right. I think Alternity is a skill-based game. And I don't know how many skills it has, but I don't think it's 60. <laughs> and that's like a game from the 90s or 80s. Yeah. I know that Gumshoe also has a lot of skills, but I also know that you don't always use all of them. Have you ever played a Gumshoe game? I haven't ever played a Gumshoe game. I've read Gumshoe mm -hmm. through, I think I was reading Knight's Black Agents. Mm -hmm. And just the system, though, because I wanted to get a feel for what Gumshoe looked like. Mm -hmm. And no, you don't use all the skills all the time. And the skill, your skill points are actually like re-rolls or they're like freebies um not freebies but like you spend a point to get a thing mm -hmm. you don't roll on it yeah and i i think you tailor the list of those to what is important to the investigation parts of your game it's just it, it's just a big comprehensive list and then i think you narrow it down yeah 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 i think I think so, too, but it's been a while since yeah. I read through it. That is my recollection. I may be wrong, and I'm sure someone will tell me. <laughs> so I guess to continue to demonstrate the point, I suppose we'll talk about what everyone wants me to talk about. Quite exalted. When we were doing kind of the planning phases of Essence, one of the first things I did was ask a bunch of people who had way more experience with the system than I did what things they didn't like. Yep. And uh, it was a pretty, pretty broad... I cast a pretty wide net of, of differing opinions to kind of get a pretty comprehensive idea of the stuff people didn't like and or had trouble with or liked, but it was incongruous or other things that they had complaints about. And some things were worth fixing and other things were like, ah, eh, it's manageable. Right. So, of course, the big one is initiative. Yeah. Which is a lot of bookkeeping. It's uh, It can be really challenging for storytellers who are approaching it from the first time because there's the numbers are so big um, and it and everybody's moving around all the time and having more or less initiative changes the order in which you go. But it is also a very crucial resource to doing anything in a fight. And then you can run out of it and then be in a death spiral. And a lot of the critiques that I had seen from people accurately pointed out a lot of things that were troublesome about that system. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 enough bookkeeping to where the first time somebody ever tried to run Exalted 3E for me, we were very excited to run ex play Exalted. Very, very excited. Exalted's happening. 
we got into one combat and it was a little clunky. We weren't, you know, we weren't doing it right because it was our first time. Mm -hmm. And then the next time, the next game we played, we got into another combat and it was still clunky and we weren't doing it right. And then we stopped playing <laughs> because the person running the game was like, this is too much bookkeeping. I don't like it. I don't want to run this anymore. Yeah. My my spicy take is that Exalted already had a really good dynamic initiative system, and that was Tix. Yeah. Had second edition already did that pretty well, and that perhaps attention should have been paid to solving second edition's actual problems because the moving initiative wasn't it. However, in one of the really earliest iterations, Neil was like, well, I want you to make Exalted Initiative, but for Scion. And that was the first instance of power, which had a different name, and was in a design document that never actually got put into Scion at all. Which would have been weird, because this was well after Origin and Hero was done. No weird. But it was basically a system where you gave yourself a condition called advantage, and the more advantage you had over someone, the more you could spend it to, like, hit them harder and stuff like that. Sure. And that concept became power. And power was made more or less directly to address a lot of the issues that people correctly identified with initiative, which is that moving around is a pain in the ass, so we separated it from that, and that like the numbers were just too damn high. So we spent a lot of time streamlining and properly adjusting the numbers to be this build to a crescendo strike, build to a crescendo strike, build to a crescendo strike. And it works phenomenally, if I do say so myself. <laughs> we spent a lot of fucking time trying to get that right, so god damn it, I'm proud of it. <laughs> and one of the other things that we were that we streamlined, which isn't really a subsystem, but is a thing that you should bear in mind if you're going to house rule or consider streamlining, is that we condensed a lot of stuff because we wanted the character sheet to be smaller and much easier to read. So it went from nine attributes to three from 25 skills to 14, and then cutting down, like, you only ever calculate defense once, it's either your evasion or your parry, and that's your defense, period. You have one social resistance stat, and so all of that you can theoretically put on a 3x5 card. And that was, you're gonna need somewhere to track your charms. That's no no two ways about that, but, like, the basics of your character should fit perfectly onto a small space, right? And that was that was the goal. Right. And then we added more virtues. Uh... <laughs> But I think, you know, I think that subsystem could use, like, it is not a streamline because I think intimacies were already kind of made streamlined. Mm -hmm. But I think it helped with the social stuff to a certain degree. Yeah. Because sometimes less is more and sometimes less is not more. Yes. And I think intimacies falls in a range of less is not more. And specifically in third edition, intimacies are very free form. You just come up with an intimacy and now this is the thing, the tie that you have or the thing that you care about and you have a bunch of them and there's this whole system about them, but it, it could be anything. And anytime it could be anything, people go, uh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and what the virtues do that streamlines that is that they just replace defining intimacies. Yep. So like defining intimacies, I think are fine, right? I actually yep. don't have any problems with third edition's social system. So if anybody thought I was changing it because I hated it, that's actually not true. I actually think the third edition social system is pretty good, actually. And that's why Essence's version is not 
too far off. Mm-mm. It's just more interested in narrowing the choices you make because right. open-ended, completely open-ended choices are hard. Yep. So rather than have to decide at character creation the thing that defines your character, because I don't know about you, but I barely know a character when I make them. Yep. Um, Same. And they're going to change. And I'm going to get to know this character in the process of everyone else getting to know the character. So I don't know when I build a character usually what defines them. Right. Like, I'm the, the character I'm playing in my current Exalted game, I thought was going to be, like, dead serious and, like, the straight man and sort of the organizer of the Suicide Squad. And he is a wise-cracking scoundrel. That is <laughs> not at all <laughs> where I started. Like... <laughs> I said something snappy and funny in the first session, I think, and then that just sort of became a personality trait uh, that persisted throughout the rest of the game. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes a character just takes on a life of their own, and I think the process of discovery of a character is one of the most delightful things about playing an RPG. But some people are different. That's just me. But by replacing the defining intimacy, you have these cool seven preset guiding principles, basically, which is what virtues are. Um, and then there's rules for you can change these at any time. Right. Uh, like if you're if you realize that your character is not actually discipline and justice like you thought when you made them, they're actually courage and compassion almost a year later. You can change that and you can change your defining intimacy, too. But it's because it's less open ended, it's easier to deal with. And you pick you just pick two of them and you have these two things that sort of define who you are. And then they provide the umbrella under which you define all your other intimacies, which are still open ended. But they are now defined by these things. So if you are a disciplined justice character, but you love your wife, maybe that is a a sense of devotion to her under discipline, right? Or uh, a desire to protect her and the place she lives under justice, right? And so that, by adding more, makes it easier for people to define those things. Thus, streamlining. (laughs) Right. By, By adding more, I guess. Yeah, I mean, streamline doesn't mean remove all stuff yeah i think people sometimes think that streamlining means cut out everything cut everything down to one roll never roll at all do not pass go just turn this into a bob game the end yeah (laughs) which is not which is not what we mean by saying streamline i mean sometimes it's cut out some subsystems because those subsystems are getting in the way sometimes it means change a subsystem to be more defined which means it looks like it has more rules so that it makes more sense or is easier for people to cognitively get a handle on. And that's a big thing when it comes to making games and designing a game that feels streamlined to begin with is how much cognitive load is it to engage with this mechanic? Mm -hmm. And when you're engaging with this mechanic, how hard is it to parse what the results of the mechanic are? So... Yeah, streamlining yeah. is keeping those things lower. Yeah, that's a that's good. That's a good definition. I like that. And and I think that 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 definitional framework of how hard it is to parse the mechanic mm-hmm. um, is a good metric for determining when a system is smooth enough, right? Like, right. Uh, what did I say? Lady Blackbird doesn't need streamlining because all the mechanics right. in Lady Blackbird are very easy to parse. Right. It's doing what it's meant to do. Leave it alone. Like, I read Sleep Away. I haven't played it yet. I really want to. But, like, that the belonging outside belonging 
at least just reading it, I was just like, no, this is doing exactly what it wanted to. These mechanics are very easy to parse. I don't know that I would cut it down. Maybe change the framing if I were writing something specific, but that's like what you're supposed to do with narrative tools. So sure, yeah. <laughs> that's not really that's not really streamlining or house ruling. That's like using the tool as intended. So yeah, I don't know that I have any more to add. Do you? Not really. I think we've hit hit our dive pretty deeply. We did. We did dive pretty deep. <laughs> and we recorded content that is different from one version to the other. <laughs> uh, D. Yes. Where can we find you on the internet? Under a rock. Yeah. Uh, I am Impernius on uh, Twitter. Uh, I-M-P-E-R-N-I-O-U-S. Yeah, I know it's weird. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I am also at daniellozon.com where you can find my Twitter or my Facebook and things like that. You can also contact me. I have a contact page on my website. Um, I'm also sometimes in the BXP Discord hanging out. So if you join the Discord, you can find me there. Okay. Uh, you can find me. I am on Twitter at at Zenith Sun. I am also on Tumblr. I am Dice-Wizard. You can feel free to follow me there. You can find the show at bxpcast.com, part of the Misdirected Mark Network. And if you want to shoot us an email with your thoughts on things or systems you'd love to see streamlined or how wrong I am about The Witcher, uh, you can send us a message at bonusexpcast at gmail.com or add us on Twitter at bonusexpcast. And if you're really interested in joining the Discord, that you can find tinyurl.com slash bxpdiscord will take you right there. Pop on in, join us, introduce yourself. We'd be happy to have you. Oh, I think that's everything. Yeah. All right. Everybody get out. Let's go. I'm, I'm done. It's dinner time. I gotta go. Go away. Goodbye. Change it if you want to. Do I have to do this? Ugh, fine. Bonus Experience is written and produced by Monica and Ray, and this episode features special guest Danielle. Uh, and edited by Margaret. Our logo and art is by Nino Studios. Find her on Facebook and Instagram. Our theme song is Reuse Noise with the Light by CDK, and is used under the Attribution Non-Commercial Creative Commons license. BXP is part of the Misdirected Mark Network. Ugh. I'm not reading this. Fuck it. Bye.